0: Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Market Foolery. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Go to Grammarly.com/fool and get 20% off a Grammarly Premium account today. It's Tuesday, December fourth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Emily Flippin, back by popular demand. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks again for having me.
0: It is by popular demand. Although for those who have asked, those on Twitter who have asked, where is Emily Flippin and why is she not on Twitter? She has not yielded to that demand yet.
1: You know, but as the consumer demand rises, I may have to. <laughs>
0: may have to join. Well, and we'll we'll get to um, how Twitter can be helpful for investors. or certainly uh, certainly was helpful for us today, and uh, we're going to talk earnings. We're going to talk housing in a couple of different forms, um, specifically Toll Brothers and Restoration Hardware. Let's start with Toll Brothers. Fourth quarter profit up 62%. That's the headline. And if that was the only thing that mattered, then you'd be very confused by the fact that the stock was down. The stock's not as not down as much as it was. It's down about 1.5% right now as we came into the studio. It was down a bit more earlier. When you look at What's going on with Toll Brothers? What do you see?
1: Well, I think we're looking at the housing market in general and a smaller part of that housing market, the kind of niche, high end, very expensive housing market. Um, So I think the reason why we're seeing that now small decline, what was a very large decline, is just because of the fact that. You know, that was the first fall in quarterly order orders in four years. So they're hit by those rising interest rates. Homes now not as affordable as they once were for the average person, at least. And so, you know, while their backlogs and deliveries are still very high, there's now a little bit of investor fear about whether or not that's going to be continued for the next few years.
0: And some of that fear was touched on by Toll Brothers itself in their statement. And I'll just. Quote directly from the earnings release: In November, we saw the market soften further, which we attribute to the cumulative impact of rising interest rates and the effect of buyer sentiment of well-publicized and the effect on buyer sentiment of well-publicized reports of a housing slowdown. So, kudos to whoever on the communications team at Toll Brothers said, "Let's use the tried and true." Uh, playbook of blaming the media. There's a little bit of blaming the media when it comes to that, but you know, to 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 your point, it would be—I don't know—it would just be crazy to ignore the reality.
1: Yeah, and you know you can blame the media all you want, but ultimately, home building is still one of the leading indicators of a change in a business cycle, and so it's natural for when people see these houses stop to get built, construction slowing down, to be a little bit afraid because it is that leading indicator. Um, so I think it's kind of silly to push it back on the media and investors in particular, especially because investor sentiment. While you can scoff at it all you want. Does cause recessions, does cause economic turndown, and does affect your company. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see that dichotomy between the way he acts or the way their PR people act um, and how, what's actually happening in the market.
0: As an investor, is the home builders as a group, is that? A way that you're interested to invest into the housing market, or are there other ways? Because it seems like for anyone who's looking at the housing market as an investor and thinking, okay, this is a huge industry, there are a lot of ways to invest in it. It seems like investing directly in the Toll Brothers of the world is uh, sort of an intermediate level of difficulty.
1: I would agree with that. So you have people who are really bullish on real estate who like to get in on the ground level of real estate, people who yeah, might buy into something like Toll Brothers or people who buy into companies that maybe own a lot of their stores, so they own a lot of real estate but don't act in real estate directly. So there's lots of different ways to get involved. For me as an investor, it's important to remember two things. The first being I personally, and I think everyone here at the Fool, has a very long time frame that they're investing for. Um, and you also have to be aware of the economic conditions of when you're investing. So, you know, we are looking at a slowdown in the housing market, and while there might be a pullback sometime in the future, I think that's inevitable. Business cycles are a natural thing that happens. Um, if you're a long-term investor, hopefully you're aware of that, and you're not going to panic when that fall does inevitably come.
0: Let's move on to Restoration Hardware. Um, Technically, the the company changed their name to RH Holdings, but come on, it's Restoration. It's not going to stick. It's Restoration Hardware. (laughs) Um, They had a great third quarter. They did. and The stock uh, popping about 15% this morning. And to go back to Twitter, uh, right before we started uh, recording, uh, I looked at Twitter and saw that Restoration Hardware was halted for trading. And then the news came out that uh, the company is exploring a potential $300 million convertible note offering. Um, so, where would you like to start? Do you want to start with the quarter, or do you want to start with uh, with the $300 million note?
1: Let's start with the quarter. The $300 million note doesn't change much for me. Companies do it all the time, and I think their quoted reason was to pursue favorable long-term allocations of capital. So, for me doesn't change very much. What's really interesting to me that I really think is a perfect representation of the market right now is, you have this, yeah, wonderful earnings, 66% rise in earnings per share, 8% revenue growth, so the stock's up a ton. Um, and it's kind of operating in the same segment that we've seen for Toll brothers in the sense that they're not directly building houses, but this is a luxury product, right? That they're selling to people presumably who are living in luxury houses. I don't think a person in your apartment is going to buy a five thousand dollars sofa, right? You're looking at home owners, home buyers who are buying premium furniture. Um, and so while the company responded really well, um in terms of their wonderful earnings report. Ultimately they sell premium furniture. And while home building is one of the leading indicators of a change in economic cycle, inventory to sales ratio is one of the lagging ones. So a lot of times these companies are at the butt end of that economic cycle. So they don't start start to see poor numbers until people start earning less and they stop spending a ton of money on their furniture. So, it's a great quarter. Stock's up a lot. For me, I don't think it says anything about, like I said, the next few years of what earnings are going to be for this company.
0: And it's down a little bit from where it was a couple of months ago, but this is still a stock that's up about 60% year-to-date, which is astonishing to me. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but it does surprise me a little bit because, Uh, Not that it was this down-and-out retailer, it had struggled a little bit, sort of, 2016 into 2017, but um, they've really turned it around.
1: Oh yeah, they have. So wonderful marketing efforts on their part. Um, What's really interesting to see is that people were very happy to see a comparable store sales growth of about six percent, depending on how you define it. About six percent this quarter, which was great, especially when you think about the retail market in general. But when you look back to 2014, that num- same number is like 22 percent, uh, and it didn't see the same large pop that it has now. So it's definitely been a stock that is been on a tear. But it's definitely slowing down as well.
0: I'm a little. am also a little surprised that it's only about a three billion dollar company. Market cap is like three point three billion. I would have guessed, in part because of the business that they are in uh, and sort of the general footprint that they have. I would have guessed a little bit higher, but I don't know. It, it, when I see something like that, when I see a particularly a, a retailer that is doing well. That doesn't have a huge market cap. My mind automatically goes to them being a potential buyout candidate, but they're not. I don't know. They're not really struggling. I mean, to go back to the three hundred million dollar note that they offered, or that they're offering up, um, they're, It's. It almost seems like they're saying, "Yeah, we're raising money not because we have to. Uh, we're we're doing it because things are going well, and we're we're looking to push things a little further."
1: Exactly, and I think maybe part of that is just the perspective that we may have right now as investors. We're kind of accustomed to these very high-valued stocks, and so when we see a company, you're right, that has a very small market cap that's doing very well, I think a lot of times people think like, "What's going on there? What's wrong?" Uh, When in reality, maybe it's just a small market, your total addressable market for premium hardware. You know, furniture. It's it's going to be very different than your IKEAs of the world. So I think part of that's just keeping it in perspective about how many times their average buyer buys one of these and how large that average buyer base really is.
0: Well, but to go back to the five thousand dollar sofa, it it almost it's almost akin to the way local car dealerships, the the smart ones, um, think about their addressable market in that they're looking to sell uh, several cars over a 15-year period to the same person. They, mm-hmm. You know, It's like, I'm going to sell you a car, and hopefully five years from now, I'm going to sell you another one, that sort of thing. If you have a good experience at Restoration Hardware buying a $5,000 sofa, then presumably you're going to go back for other things, maybe not more $5,000 sofas, but for more large ticket items.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that assumption is correct.
0: A quick shout-out to Grammarly, new sponsor! We're wrapping up 2018 with a new sponsor. Uh, Grammarly is a communication app that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They help people show their best self through writing. And it's available across platforms, including online browser extension, desktop editor, and mobile keyboard checker. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar, but Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. So, whatever you're writing for, maybe you're updating your resume, looking to get that call back, maybe you're posting your used items online and looking to get some customers, or you're listing your home when you go on vacation. Or if you're a student, and we know the students are out there listening, you can write confidently for school or for work. Uh, it's available across platforms, including online, desktop, and mobile. Uh, I just started using Grammarly, and it's great. Uh, I, uh, I have several problems when it comes to communication, but I'll just say that the advanced punctuation is particularly helpful for me. So, thank you to Grammarly for that feature. Uh, go to Grammarly.com. Get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. Um you and I were talking this morning about something that that has gotten some attention this morning. Uh and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this and it is it's something that we we rarely, if ever, talk about this on this podcast. because we folk...
1: Well, it rarely, if ever, happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, fair point. Uh, but the yield curve, explain to the dozens of listeners what's happening today.
1: Sure. So, we saw today that the yield curve on the five-year Treasury note fell below the three-year note. So, essentially, what we normally see happen is, if you're going to lock your money up for five years, you're going to demand a higher premium than if you do three years. So, it's strange, if ever, when it happens that a three-year note has a higher yield than a five-year note. Um, or any type of, of you know tenure there. so a like, 60day bond to a 10-year bond. I mean, it's just stuff that when you think about, a market shouldn't happen. So, when this happens, it's considered by many investors a very strong predictor of a recession. Um, and it's important to note that a lot of people saw this coming for a long time. The yield curve has been flattening, largely due to the fact that interest rates have been rising. And we talk a lot about investor fears and investor sentiment. That pays into it a lot. So, when you think about an investor, if you're scared about the economic growth for the next 10 years, you're going to buy a 10 year note. Something that locks up your money, that guaranteed rate of return for a long period. What that does is it pushes that pushes down rates on the earlier notes, which causes the Fed to raise the rates on those notes to try to get more investors to buy into the shorter term notes, which in turn raises those rates and causes an inverse yield curve. So when I think about it, I don't like to think about it as being a predictor of a recession, more as it is a predictor of the economic conditions that make a recession more likely because ultimately all it's doing is reflecting the fears, the fears and concerns that we have as investors. So
0: when i hear the indicators are that a recession is more likely in terms of stocks as someone who mm-hmm. is not looking to invest in 3-year bonds, 5-year bonds, 10-year i'm just not. So as someone interested in stocks when i think about that um, one of the first places that my mind goes is discretionary spending stocks. And for me, the classic example is Dave and Buster's, that I just sort of look at Dave and Buster's as a business that almost certainly is doing better in booming economic times than in recession times. Does the likelihood of a recession or the increased likelihood of a recession? Affect your thinking at all as an investor? Even so far as these stocks I was looking at, uh, I'm going to put them on the back burner and I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to these other stocks that I think might do better during a recession.
1: So I had a great conversation with my colleague, Jim Mueller, today, um, and he kind of talked a bit about that same. You know, we look at the economy and we think, oh, the economy is going to do poorly. I'm not going to buy into discretionary stocks. Uh, but it's important to remember that we're long-term investors. As as Jim pointed out, you know, a recession, even the Great Recession, doesn't last three to five years. You don't see something that's protracted that long in the stocks. All made a comeback. So, I kind of agree with you to the extent that doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to be buying all the way to the bottom. Um, I do think that it's interesting when you think about the different plays you can make in a market that is maybe in the later stages of an economic cycle versus very early on, for example, very early on buying into the home buyers like Toll Brothers and the later stages maybe not buying into Dave & Buster's. But ultimately, I think as long as you're buying into stocks and companies that you're confident about and you're planning on holding them over the long term, uh, blips like recessions, which really are blips in the long run. Um in the don't short run though. No, in boy, the short run they're boy, very, very boy hard to deal with. Um, and I think it's important <laughs> to think back to the recession that we saw in two thousand eight. The you'll, people will say, oh, the yield curve inversed before that recession. It's a predictor of the recession. You'll note that the yield curve inversed in two thousand five, December two thousand five almost three full years before the recession. And it was more a reflection of the fact that the Fed was rising in the short-term rates because they saw low rates were causing a bubble in the housing market, and they're trying to deal with that. So, it was a representation of those consumer fears, not necessarily, like, the actual yield curve itself does not cause the recession. It's a symptom of a larger problem that we're seeing.
0: Emily Flippin, not on Twitter, but she, she is here on Market. <laughs> Maybe eventually. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. Remember, the market is closed on Wednesday. We'll see you next time.